Football is back, and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking... But I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Anyway, nice of you to join me. (laughs) Okay, let's go, let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast during Ring RC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks Musa. How are you? Very well indeed. My odyssey in the UK continues. <laughs> been here for like, what, been here for uh, a couple of weeks. I'm here for a couple of weeks more actually. So I'm here, I'm leaving. I've been here for a month. This is the longest I've been in the UK since leaving the UK. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But it's been, it's been amazing, like seeing everyone. Really great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where were you this weekend? Belfast. Belfast. Catching up with the cousin Anthony in a while, uh, catching up with friends from law school who've got a wonderful, wonderful young daughter. So funny, who's basically running their household. So funny. <laughs> usually the so way. So funny. It's usually the way. <laughs> so funny when people have kids a bit later in life and they've got like their life like established in such a particular way. And then this little tiny and tornado comes along. Comes <laughs> and, and she, she was waiting for me at, um, at arrivals with a sign that she'd drawn. Did it say three straight Champions Leagues? <laughs> <laughs> and at the end she's like, why does Musa have to go? Why does Musa? It was, it was adorable. And they all say that, but you know. Well, you know, you'll be thankful for a break <laughs> a after question. a little while, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. That, so you were doing another, was it another book thing on Friday? Yeah, it was the Belfast International Arts Festival. Um, that was on the Friday or Saturday, 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 actually. Saturday, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's all, all busy then. I'm, I'm in Hackney tonight. Oh, uh, yeah, pages, pages of Hackney. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving well, Lad on tour. No, I'm glad you finally got to get out and about. Oh no! So I'll be joining you soon, mate, and uh, I'm going to get payback. <laughs> no, I heard you met the uh, Stadio honorary lifelong president, Sedentary Gary. Gary. Gary, what a lovely guy! Actually, a few Stadio listeners there. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Lee, Neil, Cedric as well. Really, just do you know what? Like great human beings. Oh. The, the thing about that's been a really lovely thing. It's an additional bonus that I didn't think about before leaving here. Um, Obviously, I went to discuss the books, but you don't, 
don't factor in the people that, you know, Stadio listeners will turn up and it's just so, it's been so nice. So thank you so much, everyone. And really beautiful. It's just nice to know that there are a few. Yeah. <laughs> I think my dad stopped well, listening. So we've got, we've had a couple of drop-offs. My dad, my dad stopped <laughs> listening. Now he stopped getting shout-outs. I don't think he's interested in it. <laughs> he was only in it for the fame. He was only in it to try and crack America and he's not done it. So <laughs> Sorry, dad. Uh, let's do some admin. First of all, most important admin of all. Hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can. Uh, yep, yep. Second of all, this week, we are launching our weekly newsletter. <laughs> so if you're not quite sick of the sight of us already, then you can go to stadio.football, scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's a subscribe box, you just pop your email in. Um, we don't pass it on to anyone, n- anything like that. The only thing it will be used for is for Stadio mail outs and to keep you up to date with all things Stadio. So the deal with it is it's going to be every Wednesday, hopefully. I think I've realized I've just literally committed myself to doing that now. So every Wednesday, it will be just a little bit of, you know, links to the pods that week, maybe some articles that we want to share that we maybe didn't cover on the podcast and maybe some other just fun bits that we didn't really mention on the podcast or some stuff that we didn't cover, but we think you, you know, might find interesting. So it'll be really short, pretty silly. So if you want a little email in your inbox once a week, then go to stadio.football, scroll down to the bottom, stick your email in, sign up. And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who signed up so far. And also before, before we begin it, I think I should say this, I've mentioned it to you before privately, but um, if the newsletter is not up to the standards you expect, a disclaimer, you knew what this was. <laughs> we very nearly changed that. Uh, uh, we might actually do it. <laughs> we might actually so you do get it. So you get a confirmation email when you sign up, obviously, just to double check that it was you that signed you up to it. And uh, yeah, maybe we might say, you know, if this was you, then you knew what this was. This was, sadly. <laughs> um, we might be doing some more merch. Um, we'll probably drop a piece this week. It'll be a campaign again and it'll be something a little bit different and all the proceeds will be, well, all the profits will be being donated. So keep an eye out for that. Righty's House will be up on Wednesday. Flo and I will be on with him this week. Uh, We're going to save some stuff for that. So basically we'll save the Premier League in full or proper Righty's house because we want to talk it was about super a lot of stuff like that. Super it was really interesting. interesting. Uh, we'll also talk about the Women's FA Cup semi-finals, which happened on the weekend. Uh, Arsenal and Chelsea going through to the final at Wembley, and maybe a couple of other fun bits as well. But that'll be the bulk of it. Other, I mean, quickly, don't forget to check ring, the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Pieces will be going up this week, and check Stadio Outros on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros. Find a playlist of all the music we play out on each episode. The newest one is at the top, and that is it. So. On to the, today's show, we're going to talk about some Serie A stuff, some La Liga stuff, some Bundesliga stuff, and I think that's everything. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Before we get on to the football in depth, I want to give a quick shout out to Aaron Ramsdale, who oh my goodness. pulled out probably the save of the season so far. Yeah. I said, do you know what? I think that's the best save I've seen for a long time. Actually. Can I say this about that save? I was in shock. Mm. That save was so amazing that one of the Leicester players is actually celebrating already. Mm. Is celebrating. And I, I saw it because I, I didn't watch the game live. I watched it back. Ryan actually gasped. Incredible. I gasped. Incredible. It, it, I don't know. Because, we, you know, you see a lot of fingertip saves, but the fact he got up and across, up and across and palmed onto the bar and then the follow-up, the like follow to be aware is, to get that. The follow-up kind of adds the, the cherry to the icing on the The follow-up is sensational. It's sensational. It's, it's, it's genuinely one of the best saves I've ever seen. He's amazing, man. He's amazing. He's genuinely, you know, it's amazing about him. His presence is incredible. You feel the back line is just like, it knows what it's doing, you know, because he's, he's in control of it. He's, he's giving orders. He's not just a shot stop. He's actually, you know, it's funny, like there's not many goalkeepers where you could lose Emmy Martinez and be like, we've still got a fantastic option. Like Emmy Martinez is gone, but we've got someone who is wonderful. And can I say this is what I'm saying? Really, really harsh here, but I said this before, Ryan, like, a lot of people are gnashing their teeth about Arsenal. And I was really excited by the transfer business. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was a process. I felt like they brought in some, not just solid, but really very good players. And people were joking, ha Arsenal spent so much. Well, actually, it's called investment, people. And this is what it looks like. Uh, I can't Oh, we've got some breaking news. Oh, what's that? Nuno's gone. Oh my goodness. Wow. In that case... Let's talk about Nuno now and let's talk yeah, about Spurs yeah. Yeah. because nothing like throwing a spanner in the works. Spurs, yeah, Spurs yeah. love doing this. I swear they've done, they, were, they, they really mucked up our week when they fired Poch that time. Do you know what I thought symbolised like how unlucky they are a club in modern times? Because Spurs, this is the thing, important to remember that Spurs haven't always been an unlucky club. Like this is a club that won the double in 61, right? This is first, a club that... First English club ever to do so. Yeah. First English club so to Spurs, ever win a European trophy as well. You know, Spurs... You know, a club can have a storied history, a great history, and also like have fallen on difficult times. And for me, it just summed it up. You know, the, um, the Champions League final, 2019, they get all their Champions League final and they don't even get to enjoy it for more than two minutes because they concede a penalty. And that to me really summed up how unlucky they've been in recent times. Like they're a club whose successes have all come like really without luck. Everything they've achieved, they've had to work for because whenever there's an opportunity for bad luck, Spurs get a bad role. And this is another one. And you can call, some will say, actually, this is squarely at the feet of Daniel Levy. And there is some truth in the sense that people, Daniel Levy was told, a lot of people raised concerns about Nuno and about fit. It's not that he's not a very good manager, he is, but it's about fit. We can see from the experience of David Moyes, who's doing a brilliant job at West Ham, that if you've got the right fit, you can do something really, really exciting. I'm so excited for West Ham and for Moyes and for Moyes' legacy now, which is frankly repaired with the job he's done there. Mm-hmm. But Daniel Levy was warned. He was warned about, you know, invest in your squad. You've got a, if you've got a manager who likes pressing as much as Poch does, you need a squad with players that can come in and out, interchangeable and freshen up a squad when players are tiring. He didn't do it. He was warned about Mourinho. He appointed Mourinho. He was warned about Nuno. He appointed Nuno. And it, I have to say it, and I don't like to point fingers. It's just that Daniel Levy cannot say that he wasn't told about any of the things that have happened in the last couple of years, if that's 
that's fair to say. I'm going to be a little bit harsher than you here, I think. I don't think Spurs have been as unlucky as you suggest. I think it's around Daniel Levy's ego. And we said this, I think, when Mourinho got hired, was that Daniel Levy has always wanted to turn Spurs into a club that could hire someone like Jose Mourinho. But when that point came, the trajectories of both the club and the manager were going in very different directions. And they met at a point that they should never have actually been considered to meet at, I think. The Mourinho thing at Spurs was super complex because I think it was a terrible idea at the time. But there were, you could see glimpses of the kind of like old Mourinho motivation aspect that really did benefit Spurs at times. We briefly saw a more of a humble Mourinho who had been, in his mind, I think, a club like Spurs wasn't the kind of club that he saw himself at. Is that fair to say? I think in, in Mourinho's terms of mind... Their- in terms of their trajectory, yes. Yeah, I mean, no, in I think in terms of, of maybe like their level in terms of recent success, I don't think mm. Mourinho would have seen himself being a Spurs manager at any point. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And I actually think that was unfair. Mm. I actually think at the time, Mourinho was extremely lucky to get that job. I think so. Because that was a really good job at a really good club, which was um, stepping into a I new like, yeah, era yeah, yeah. with the new stadium, probably the best newly built stadium in Europe. It's amazing. Right, right. They had arguably one of the best pound for pound coaches in world football. Yep. Who had been operating above and beyond the, his means for his time through, uh, through Southampton and his time he did all the magical, way through Spurs. A, a yeah. magical job of Spurs. Yeah. Despite there being moments through the kind of pandemic era football without fans and stuff like that, where we, I think, fairly acknowledged that Mourinho was doing a pretty good job, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. It then kind of returned to the to how we we expected it was going to go, and as we've seen with Roma already, there have been incidents where that process of the third season Mourinho is now accelerating short into like a shorter and shorter time frame. You know, Mourinho came out and literally repeated the "if I speak" line after the yeah. Milan game, which we'll talk about later. So sorry for the long monologue here, but what I'm what I'm saying is that I think that that higher for the long term never mind Spurs being top of the league for a little bit last season for the long term benefit of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club the Mourinho hire was wrong and the process after firing him Nuno was supposed to be what the eighth choice and we, and we shouldn't have we shouldn't have known no? we shouldn't have known he was the eighth choice we knew too much about this and he came in yep. with his authority severely compromised from the beginning yep. Seb Stafford Blore wrote a really good thread on Spurs about this and saying that you know Levy is obviously like a really good commercial mind. He's pushed Tottenham Hotspur into like an unrecognisable yeah. Yeah. era compared to where they were a decade ago. Yeah. yeah, And he deserves praise for that. However, as you mentioned, with the hirings over the last few years, there seems to be a not particularly clear idea of where Spurs are supposed to go into. So the thing that's really frustrating, and I'll wrap this point up because I've been talking for ages, but no, it's important. It's good. It's good. good. I think keep going, keep going. I know I'm an Arsenal fan, right? But when we talk about yeah. when we're on Stadio, it's a completely neutral podcast, right? Obviously, we have our allegiances. But as a neutral point of view, yeah. And let's say, like, it, I'm going to put like a pro Spurs hat on here, which I, I can already hear Arsenal Twitter coming for me. <laughs> They're coming <laughs> for come. me. <laughs> Let them come. Spurs were set up to go. Arsenal were scared. Arsenal were terrified. This was a side that very could have, like, very much could have won the Champions League a few years ago. What, 2019? Yep. Two and a half years ago, Spurs could have won the Champions League. Yeah, I think people will get revisionist about 
how much they struggled in that season after under Poch and it wasn't great and people weren't happy. But I think a lot of that came from a lack of freshening up the squad. And, and Poch Agreed. just kind of, I think Poch just lost all interest in the gig because he essentially felt like he'd hit a dead end. That's on yeah. Levy and that's on the board. That's absolutely on Levy. And, and I think that what Spurs have been let down by at the moment is a lack of joined up football thinking. Can I be harsh about this? I'm going to go to the ego thing. And yeah. this is the one place I will be very harsh. Daniel Levy, unfortunately, and I've thought this for a couple of times, he's a, he's, a, he's a classic example of someone who is outstanding at one particular thing. Mm-hmm. He is so good at one thing. He is so brilliant at one thing that he's fallen into the trap of thinking that he's good at, at everything in his immediate orbit in, in a football context. Mm-hmm. He's so good at the commercial side. And actually in terms of not just the commercial side, but kind of even the creative artistic side in terms of the players he's brought in at the club, like he does have a feel for football. There's no question, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is that I think he's overplayed that over time. And I, I said this about the tra- the documentary, the Amazon documentary, and people, people came at me at the time. They said some very sarcastic things about my take on this, but I stand by it. This man is burnishing his legacy. And some said, oh no, he's brand building. He's brand building Spurs in America. I thought that was nonsense at the time. I always felt that documentary was about him establishing his legacy and his football mind. And I always felt that the Mourinho appointment was his crowning glory. Mm-hmm. And I said this at the time, and I think that is consistent and borne out. And the reason I'm angry about it, the reason I'm angry about it is because people might have thought I was just, oh, like you're just being this, you're just sniping. No, I'm not. It really frustrates me when I can see something, a car crash happening in slow motion in real time. And I'm like, this is what this is. I'm not, I'm not an expert. I can a lot of things. I'm not an expert, maybe on football. But one thing I do know, one thing I do know is when I see an ego growing beyond its borders. And that is what, that's what happened here. Mm-hmm. And there was, there were a thousand times, and you know, we talk about the sacking of Zubizarreta by Barcelona's sporting director as the moment when the club lost its identity in a modern sense, right? That was when I think Barcelona lost their identity. I was watching a, an interview with Xavi on the coach's voice about coming in and Luis Enrique going, look, we've got a place for you here and all the rest of it. And it was really like Xavi seeing the vision for the new Barca. And the sliding doors moment will always be Levy's refusal to invest yeah. in Pochettino's squad. Yeah, 100%. That will always be the moment. And it would have been a thousand, all he had to do, all he had to do to, was listen to football people in that club. Yeah, because the thing is, when you, when, you, when you talk about someone like Nuno, it's like, I think you said a really good point before about how, you know, Nuno will go somewhere else and do a really good job. He just will. He's not a bad manager at all. But not, the thing is, few managers are going to turn down a job like Spurs Say like in, in the tier that Nuno was operating in, few of those managers are going to turn down Spurs because they think that they're maybe not the best fit. They're going to do you it. Have to take it. You have to take it because you might, you might adapt. You yeah, might adapt. Exactly. Yeah. I wrote a piece for the Ringer, I think, after the North London derby, which I think Spurs won. Mourinho Spurs played Arteta's Arsenal. It's really weird. It's kind of gone completely wrong and then kind of swung back. And I said in there, the gist was that the long-term development, it's easier to spot it with Arsenal. Right. You've seen that this season now he's finally got a load of players on and Arsenal might still finish eight. There's a developing squad there with a, with a developing transfer strategy and, it's a, and it's, you can see that there is a journey taking place for one of a less yeah. whimsical term. <laughs> yeah. With Spurs, they had that journey. They had everything. They moved to this stadium. They were kind of, prom- you know, they were, they, were, well, they were promised a future and it, they really didn't get to enjoy it at all. Again, taking my Arsenal hat very much off here, but like from a football neutral perspective, it's such a shame to see clubs that have everything set up for them 
or they've got themselves into this position to then just completely fuck it. It's an unforced error. And this is why it's yes. so tragic. Yeah. Because look, it's you, you can take being knocked off your perch. You can take when by a team that's got a superior energy, or you could be like, you know, Lee's in the late nineties, obviously the financial issues just imploded, but Lee's in the late nineties for a moment on the field, at least we're doing things that are genuinely exciting. And they were just outdone by teams that were playing marginally better football, right? Mm-hmm. But they gave it an unbelievable go. And to see a team, to see a team throw it away, this is the thing. And you're, you're sitting there watching in real time, you're going, no, like this is so avoidable. But then what you realise, the horrifying thing is you realise how deep the rot is because think how many people these decisions have to go through mm. for it to happen. So there's, Levy will be like, okay, we're not going to invest in Potter, we're going to sack him. But there's boards of directors, right? There's loads of people. Levy is not an autocrat. He still does consult people, right? Yes, mm-hmm. he's got, you know, he does have a, he does have big main character energy, but he still will have people he consults, right? There were not enough people in the infrastructure of Spurs Football Club to stand up and go, this is absolutely wild. I cannot believe you're not investing in this. They all went along with it. Mm. Like they all went along. And this is the thing, the institutional failure ultimately that allowed this to happen. Because Ultimately, one, you know, one person doesn't sack a manager or doesn't make a position untenable for a manager. It happens through the board and the structures. And the structures, this is the most damning thing. The same structures that gave Spurs this astonishing stadium are the same structures that were like, yeah, we built something so wonderful that whoever takes charge of it is going to run it beautifully. No. That right there, that is the most damning indictment of all. Yeah. So they've gone back after Conte. At the time of recording this, Conte hasn't been announced listen if Conte goes into that job he's going to want reinforcements man like you look at everywhere you look at everywhere else he's been and like he left Inter because he knew that they were going to sell a couple of his key players even though I think they've replaced pretty well and they're doing a good job you know really well like Inzaghi is doing a really good job at at Inter you know I gotta say that's a joint top with Napoli much and much more exciting than they'd be yeah great definitely yeah he's really opened them up a little bit as well Conte will want reinforcements but I actually think that he would really improve them straight away because for their player profile in the squad I think Spurs are tailor-made to set, to play like a back three and to really this is the perfect time for Conte to take charge because you've got despondent players willing to take instruction nothing has worked like this is the perfect time like he comes in and they'll be like oh no who's going to be like oh we're not going to do that boss well, no they're not because they haven't nothing has been tried has worked and he'll come in and he'll galvanize it if he tells them to run we're just going to run like fools for the next like two, three months. They'll do it. They'll do it because it's not like the previous manager gave them anything to cling to or the previous two managers and to cling to it. It was like, oh, I, I believe, no, which manager has put their finger into the chest and been like, I believe in you. Here's a job. You're going to be incredible. They haven't had that. I think he's, is the perfect time for him to take charge from a morale point of view. So I think actually weird enough in terms of a squad day to day, I think it's the perfect time for Conte to, take charge of this club. Mm. But I think financially, it's one of the worst possible because there's no evidence at all that Levy will give, um, Levy and the board, crucially the board, because we can't just mention Levy in this, there's, there's no indication that the Tottenham board, because this was an institutional failure, sacking Poch and Marina and whatever, there's no indication they'll give him the investment he needs. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird one. So all I would say is, and I'm sure his advisor all over, his advisors all over this, that, sacking clause, that premature sacking clause or whatever, you make sure that thing is huge. You make sure your payout is massive. So when they sack you in the next couple of years, because let's, let's be honest. I mean, if Conte, record, do, if Conte does go there, he's not, go, he's not staying more than like two and a half years. 
Max. Right, right, right. So should we wrap it up there and we'll leave on Spurs because we've unexpectedly dedicated quite a lot of this episode to talking about Nuno and Spurs. We have indeed. Which means we might have to keep the rest of the football a little bit brief, but we can cherry pick some good stuff. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Uh, I just hope that um, Nuno goes on to a job that he really enjoys and where there's a good fit and I hope that it works out for him. Because it's never enjoyable to go to a job that you're really excited by and end like this. It's never enjoyable any any walk of life in no. your career. And it's not like he did anything heinous. He just didn't, you know, didn't Apart do from taking job, off but... Lucas Moura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it. The writing was on yeah, the wall. And I hope it, I hope it, um, hope it comes good for Spurs fans because you know they've, they had a lot of near misses in recent years. They've been through a lot, and um, I hope it works out for them as well, them as supporters. So yeah, that's it, really. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, man, let's do a couple of key games around Europe, or a few key games. I'd like to start with the biggest one of the weekend, I think. Werder Bremen won, St. Pauli won in the <laughs> Bundesliga. Always... Will never not be funny. That's actually the a big strife. game, though. That was actually a big game, though. That uh, The best of Liga developed. Told you, man. The, that is, is it Jan Regensburg second? They are. Schalke third and St. Pauli are top. Uh, St. Pauli got a... Dortmund in the cup, by the way. It's a great division. This is a great, great division. Best league in the world, honestly. man. Honestly, it's the most fun league. So much going on. Should we start Serie A? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Should we start in Rome? Let's do it. Because there was a moment in the second half where Roma <laughs> were not awarded a penalty, and rightly so, that yes. Jose Mourinho had one of the moments that he had at Spurs when he realised someone else had been booked and pegged it towards the, the uh, referee's assistant. This time he pegged it towards someone else. I, I don't know who. He ran back towards the dugout. Super angry about a penalty that they shouldn't have had anyway. It was a Simon Kier thing on, uh, I can't remember yeah. who it was on. Was it on Pellegrini? Maybe. I can't remember who it was on. Anyway, it wasn't a penalty. Um, Roma losing the game 2-1. They got a goal back from El Shawari in stoppage time at the end of the game after Milan had been reduced to 10 yeah. men. It was a lovely goal, yeah. Teo Hernandez got sent off for... Two yellows. The, se- <laughs> the second was really quite strange. It was like... You think? Well, it was just a super weird tackle. It was just like... a clip. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was a yellow. I mean, to me, it was like... It was a total it was, yellow. It was like, do you yeah, know what it reminded yeah. me of a little bit? Do you remember Boris Johnson's tackle in Soccer Aid? <laughs> oh, yes. It was like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was like... It was just so like, like it, how have you done that? It's like almost... It was more... I felt more like a slight distinction. I felt more like... How did he feel that was going to go any other way? I know. Like, it was like, almost, just, you know, for, for those who haven't seen it, it was very much like, you know, John Terry's diving in front of it and blocking it with your head as opposed to, uh, like, parallel to the floor, as opposed to just putting your boot out. Wasn't it a foul on Van Persie in the 5-3 that John Terry did? He did a foul, it was almost a, sort of a foul Maybe. on Van Persie, I think it was, yeah. when, when it was like a scrambling tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, that it was, it was that point of Terry's career where he was getting slightly more isolated for speed. Not that he was slow, he wasn't, mm. but he was getting slightly more isolated for speed and it was one of those ones, like a desperate tackle. But what I said, the, the Hernandez um, read, what was interesting was, these, this, these teams were so, it was a sign of how brilliant Milan were at suppressing Roma, that the moment, the moment a player went off, Roma were just 
ferocious. Like Milan were brilliant. They were actually Milan dominant were brilliant. For, yeah. They were dominant for probably two thirds of the game. And they defended really, really well when they went down to 10 men as well. Like, exceptionally well. The resilience was really impressive. This is what I have to say about Napoli and Milan this year. Like both of them have not only shown the attacking flair, they've got the grit. Mm. They can both point. It's only like, what, 10, 11 games into the season. And they could both point to performances where they've been like, we can tough it out if we have to. Yeah. Oh, honestly, but yeah, but, but Milan. So um, Rome, the Roma um, got the, um, the red card for Milan basically led to a Roma onslaught for the last 25 minutes. But before that, we have to give credit to Milan. Slatan Ibrahimovic was superb up front. And the only thing that stopped him from having an all-time performance was his offsides. Like, yep. this, was, this, was, this would have been a signature performance it kind of was. I mean, he went off, he went off with a, basically about an hour gone because he'd already done his work. It was t- they were turned up by then, uh, Milan. But his players are kind of nine and a half, which is my favourite Zlatan position where he plays as a kind of nine and a half, like just like almost like four or five yards from the kind of uh, penalty area, side on to goal, like advanced, like an advanced, like almost like a, t- and then, and it's just laying it off one, two touch in and around the box. That for me is his, like his optimal position. It's where he scored the free kick from. It's where he got a beautiful assist for Raphael Liao mm. um, for a disallowed goal. Gorgeous finish. And it's where he got a slight offside um, in the second half. That little pocket is where he is, I think, supreme still on his day as an operator. And also a shout to Frank Kessier, who just is, I don't know if it's a Frank Kessier thing that he's, I don't know if he's underrated because people know what he brings. But I still think there's a level where I don't think he quite gets the acclaim that he would get if he was, I think, a midfielder who played for, let's say, Holland. Let's say if his international team was like Holland, France, Germany, just more on the radar. I think if he played for any one of those teams, mm. his rep would be even higher than it is. But he I love was him, brilliant again. He's amazing. I love how he's like amazing. he's he's so like he plays football like someone who's playing at the amateur level with a load of people who have never played at the level that they've played at. That's such a great description. Do you know what I mean? Like he's just, he always looks like he's got two more gears to go into. Uh, even on the yes. penalty, you know, like his shorts are kind of down around his bum. Yes, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Like his socks are low. He has this like really calm, very composed. He has such a high technical level, right? That yes. you just, he never, he never panics. Never panics. Because yes. he knows that even in the tightest situations, there were a couple of times in the second half, I think I saw him like just wriggle out of these these positions that he's just never got out of. Ridic- yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just got a whole energy about him that he's just like, I've got this. As does uh, Simon Kier, who I actually thought was man of the match. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because he, he had a lot of work. To, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, he was yeah, absolutely yeah. unbelievable. And like the DAZN commentators in Germany, were, could, they just could not stop going on about him. They were, <laughs> it was like full on like, oh, Unvida Kier, Unvida Kier. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Kier and, again, and they were yeah, laughing, yeah. they were laughing at, so they were laughing at how good he was. I thought he was brilliant. You know, even his pass, I think he had like 91% pass accuracy. Wow, you know, coming and out those, of the back. He wasn't, those, those weren't all easy passes. No, no, his distribution that Ro- that was Roma really press good. Was causing trouble. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. was one moment where uh, a scuffed goal kick went. I can't remember who it went to, but Kier had like four or five, maybe four yards to make up, straight towards his own goal. Got in, nicked the ball away. Like he's he's underrated in terms of his pace as well. I think and um, very quick, really composed on the ball, and he's a leader. I mean, he's, he's the Denmark captain, right? And he could easily be captain of that but it was a, side as well. You know, what's funny about, what's funny about Kier is that he was made as a signing at a time when it was almost like 
he was, how do I say, he was made at a signing one time in Milan where like him and Milan rose at the same time in a way. Mm. It was almost like, you know, like Philippe Mexis was the player that was meant to be the core of the new Milan, right? Mm. It didn't quite happen for various reasons. Not really Mexis' fault, you know. But um, Kier is, Kier is part of the resurrection of Milan. And what's amazing about what he's done is it was an expectation on him. It was a big one for a long, long time. And he's kind of delivered. Like he's brought Milan back to contention in Serie A, they're, they're a legit, like they're a legit title threat. <clears throat> Whatever happens in the, in the league this year, into a very strong two, I just feel like if there's an edge, I feel like the edge is currently with these, these two teams and he's a huge part of that. Yeah, man. He's and remember, he's playing against his old club as well. Went to Rome, I love it. at Roma on loan. Uh, there was a Wolfsburg bit of that. Legend. So El, there's a bit of that because El, Shira- <laughs> El Shirawi as well scoring yeah, yeah. against his old team, wow. which is a nice little touch. Um, but this game, I want to say this to, to Milan, credit to them because we've just named three potential man, men of the match. Yep. You know, um, Kessier could have been Kessie, could have been Ibrahimovic, and it could easily have been Kier as well. Like, outstanding performances in, in different parts of the pit. This is a, a side, obviously, who are still without Rebic. That can afford to bring Tonali off the bench, who's been, you know, better this year than last year. Nice depth. But yeah, like, unbelievable. So um, on Milan, very quickly, sorry, Stefano Pioli, because... Mm. Mm. Has to be said again. He was out the back door. Recent, he's out the door. Rangnick was going to come in. Like he was, and he did so well that the Milan board, and this is the thing, here's the thing, an institution, a structure that actually was like, hey, do you know what? It's actually working on the pitch. Let's not get too excited by the idea of a new name. Let's give him a chance. And if anything, he's made them even better because he's now got pieces and he's integrating different pieces. They can play with Rebic up top and it works really well. Different pace with Ibrahimovic and players dropping off and running into space and it works beautifully. Mm. They were absolutely, they were so much better than Roma in the first hour that it was almost like their performance was almost an aspirational one. You know, when you watch them and you go, that's how we want to play. They were like that. They were so, so good. So yeah. I don't think they were unfortunate to be behind Roma, but I think Rui Patricio, I think Rui Patricio should have done better on the Zlatan free kick from being hypercritical. And it went low. It didn't quite go under the wall, I think. It went around the wall, didn't it? There was someone laying down behind the wall. It was just pointless. That's the loneliest place in football. It's when you lay down behind the wall and the free kick taker goes low anyway, but oh avoids you. And it's just like, well, why did I do this? Why am I then here? Like the, you're like the, the Maginot line. The Maginot yeah. line. You're just no useless. No point. Um, but a really good win for Milan and they needed it because Monopoly had already won earlier on in the day. Oh, that was a hell of a derby. So a local derby yeah. against Salernitana. They beat uh, Salernitana 1-0 goal from Zielinski and um, Kulabali gets sent off. And it was funny because, I mean, red cards are never funny, although they're funny unless they are. And there was, even when he was protesting against the red, it looked like he was going through the motions. <laughs> it was so half-hearted. It looked like a motorist getting like a speeding ticket. It was like, you know, you're talk, you, know you want to muster the enthusiasm to contest it. You know, I didn't even see the fingers coming up, Ryan. I didn't even see the hand gestures coming up. And I was like, you know what? They, they know the name of the game is up. <laughs> They're not even making a pantomime of it. So yeah, great win for Napoli over Selenitana. And he came out and wrote a tweet about this. I could have barely about that. This was a real derby. A derby. Yeah. It was a great victory. We, we didn't realise, I think, we don't realise, because Napoli at like, top of the league, we don't realise what kind of needle that individual fixture had and what it meant. But it obviously meant a huge amount. Both sides were down to 10 men, obviously, because Castanos got sent off earlier on. Well, just a few minutes yep. before Kabali, actually. While we're in Serie A, quick jump, Verona Juventus. Mm. Giovanni Simeone is on the hottest of hot streaks. He really is. And Juve are in some serious trouble. 
that result meant that Hellas Verona went above Juve on goal difference. So that's difficult for Juve. What I will say though, I have to say this, Giovanni Simeone again on a real scoring streak, got four the other week and two again, almost got a hat-trick, Padislav offside, a glorious winner. And, you know, his dad Diego must be very proud. And to be doing it against a kind of old rival must feel a little bit pleasant as well. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, obviously Diego, big into man, so that must feel must feel sweet. Good weekend for Simeone all round, to be honest. Um, very much so. A bit. Should we yeah, jump yeah. to Spain? Let's do it. Vinicius Jr. continues to do work. Another brace this weekend, which was a, re- it was a, re- it was a really hard-fought win for Real Madrid. They beat Elche 2-1 away. Barcelona drew with Alaves at home, one all. Um, obviously, Glorious goal for Memphis. It was a lovely goal, and he probably should have had another as well. But um, Sergio Aguero left the field just before half-time, suffering from quite a tight chest, and he had some subsequent tests. He then got diagnosed with a heart arrhythmia, um, so it's a heart rhythm disorder. Um, yeah. I might be wrong. I think this was something he had also uh, very early on in his career. Atleti. Oh, I didn't realise. Okay. I'm not a doctor, obviously. I'm not going to speculate whether he'll be back playing or not. But I think Kingsley Coman had something like this and then was back quite soon after. So each case is extremely different. Yeah. But yeah, just glad he's okay. Apparently he's fine. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, that him, him being okay was the main thing. Yeah. Sunday's games, Getafe Espanol was exactly how you'd expected it. Um, <laughs> and All it was the super important because Getafe that was their first win of the season Atleti beat Real Betis 3-0 and were really this good was for it glorious Simeone obviously watching on from the stadium after his after being sent off I loved this this is the Atleti we're talking about yeah 3-4-2-1 Griezmann and Correa supporting Suarez I love and Carrasco Carrasco spectacular and it has been brilliant amazing. has Brilliant for a couple of what, a couple of seasons now. Long time. I mean, he, you know, either yeah. side of that trip to China. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. The, the opening goal is spectacular. Actually, frankly, there were a lot of brilliant goals across Europe. Mm. There were a lot of. There's always a lot of good goals because there's so many goals scored, but there were a lot of particularly good goals scored across Europe, and this was as good as any. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, I look at this this formation now. This three four two one. Rodrigo de Paul, like the most. I said this before. The most Atleti player who had never He's played so for Atleti. <laughs> He's so good. Came off his form at the Copa, brilliant at the Copa America, and now like starring for them, just so good. That midfield combination, him and Koke, is so good. Atleti look ready for something exciting this year. They look ready for because it's the fluidity and it's the chance creation. Betis, Betis aren't clowns. Yeah. But the way that they the way that the way that Atleti created chances in this game in particular, I was like, this is this could this this looks like this could be exciting. Just keep this momentum. I'm, you know, I'm always like boosting Atleti, but I just want to see them succeed because I like Simeone's approach to the game, and I like that he maximizes the potential of so many of his players. And Joao Felix got his opening goal, and someone made a great point. The commentator said, "First goal for ages." Celebrating this goal with the same intensity that he celebrated the first one. Yeah, Simeone. Um, but yeah, first goal in the league. The thing, the thing that's worth pointing out though is that this result is super impressive because even though they played the game more, Betis started the day ahead of Atleti in the mm. table. Yeah. <laughs> They're not slouches. Not at all. Um, whilst I hear what you're saying, Atleti still concern me a little bit. Yes. I think there is just a, there's just a lot of figuring out going on at the moment still. I think he's, Simeone's, I think Simeone's kind of figuring out 
Well, he's got a good idea now, I think, of what he what his best eleven is and what and how that will change game to game game to game. And what sh- and what shape he should use. What yeah, shape he definitely. Use. Yeah, there are no definite Atleti results. I mean, that's their first win since they beat Barca a month ago. I mean, admittedly, in that time they've played some good sides, but, but you know, but you know, it's Griezmann. You know, I think the key. I think the reason why I'm excited is because. Griezmann looks as happy in this configuration as I've seen him look mm. for France in recent games. Mm. And when Griezmann's happy, when you unlock that level of intensity, I joked about this. You know, I joked about this at one point in the Euros and I was like, I think Griezmann's the best defender at <laughs> this moment yeah, yeah. No, in the France yeah. team. Griezmann's the best defender. Like, And you can unlock that. And seeing him not isolated as a second striker, but alongside Correa, mm-hmm. who really stepped up last year. I, I like this a lot. I like it a lot for them. However, Real Sociedad is still top. And oh, they could have been further ahead. Oh, God, in the Basque derby, which was extremely loud. Alexander, Alexander oh. Isaac, he's a naughty boy. He is a naughty boy. He is so <laughs> Did you think it was a pen? I did, but his energy after scoring it, when he's like, Vamos! so I'm like, wow, you've become an ultra. Like, And then for the red cards, so Inigo Martinez gets sent off for like, basically grabbing it like, you know, swiping him in the face, but like his reaction to it, his energy around, I was like, this is like, this is a super villain. Yeah, he went off a couple of minutes later, <laughs> having yeah, already put a super- on a yellow. So this is a super villain. Yeah. 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 Oh, they were so close though, man. Into stoppage time at the end of the game, Munayin hit a free kick. Uh, after you mentioned, obviously, uh, Isaac had put Real Sociedad ahead. Mm. And Ramiro tried to punch it, which, I mean, if anyone had seen the game, it was it was tipping down with rain for most of the game. Yeah. That stage of the game, just palm it over. Palms behind it. Monain actually, he actually comforted him after the game. Yeah, he did. After yeah. the game, he actually comforted him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so. such, a, such an unfortunate, from, from a Real Sociedad point of view, it was such an unfortunate moment because... It was such a great win as well. It would be such a great win. It would have been such a great win. And they would have still been three points clear at the top of La Liga yeah. in November. I mean, Imanol continues to do a really, really good job at Real Sociedad. Having said that, can I say this? There's, there's probably no point in the recent history of Spanish football where a 1-0 win over Athletic Club is not a great result. If you think about it, given, <laughs> just given the time, that, under successive managers, that team always comes at you. So yeah, um, it would have been a great result. It's, it's sadly only a... An okay result. Dis- it, it, yeah, it's okay in the context. In the context, it's actually a little bit disappointing. I mean, you know, Derby's a Derby, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we're going to swerve this week and we're going to go to Germany to wrap up. Oh my. Gladbach poked the bear and Bayern rocked up to Berlin to... Oh, poor Union. They got got. Although, they had a pretty good comeback. Well, they had a go at it anyway. That's the quickest they've conceded three goals, I think, in the top flight. I think it was Union. Like that. Wow. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, really far. But then again, but, but Bayern just came like... Bayern was seeking something and they found it. Yeah, yeah, they found it. So two for Lewandowski and then for Sané. Sané got a tap in. Lewandowski's um, free kick was lovely. Although I can't yeah, remember who good, the defender the was, worked, but someone yeah. like dived underneath it. And actually, if they just st- stood big, it, they probably would have caught it right would've in the stomach. A great result for them. Really fluid and capped with a beautiful finish uh, for the fifth by Thomas Muller. Bayern looking as dangerous as they've looked at their best all year. And it was just really important for Dortmund then to keep pace which they did against Köln. Uh, we'll talk about Dortmund in a little bit. Let's let's wrap up on uh, Union Bayern first because there's a couple of things extended from this game. So Nagelsmann was still missing because of COVID isolation. It looks like he'll be back for the Champions League this week. And um, Union will play against Feyenoord at the Olympia Stadion in the Conference League on Thursday with a partially closed stadium. 
So for those who aren't aware, um, Union played Maccabi Haifa. We mentioned it on a, a few shows ago. We were waiting to see what UEFA were going to do. Maccabi Haifa played Union at the Olympia Stadion because for those who aren't aware, Union are playing their European games at the Olympia Stadion because the first RI doesn't meet the UEFA requirements for, for, for competition. There were a number of reports of anti-Semitic insults during the game. Beer was thrown at a group of Maccabi Haifa fans. Some were subjected to anti-Semitic insults, threats of violence, and that was according to a press release from the German-Israeli Society Youth Forum. Allegedly, one Union supporter tried to burn an Israeli flag. One fan was pictured making a Nazi salute. At the time, Union came out and were very critical of it. They banned the guy who made the salute indefinitely. Mm. And they, I think, passed the information on to UEFA and other, uh, I think the DFL as well, to implement a ban for all stadiums. Mm. Some Union fans here deserve a lot of credit because basically what happened was it was it was to do with, I think there were a group of Maccabi fans that were kind of essentially in the home end, but closest to, like, cl- really close to the away section. Yeah, And a number of Union fans here called out this stuff so the, the, the a load of them called out the guy who was making the salutes and he got super abusive towards other union fans who were calling him out for it and um a load of union supporters actually stepped in to swap seats with the some maccabi fans yeah so that they so essentially like protect them from it yeah the game itself was super symbolic which i think is why this is even more jarring maccabi were the first israeli side to play in the olympia stadion in berlin which, for those who aren't aware, it was built for the 1936 Olympic Games during the Nazi era. This is really important you've mentioned this. The historical context is so heavy in relation to anti-Semitism because even this, this is fascinating you raised um, the Union fan base because where the club is placed, where it is um, in relation to Berlin, the fan base is extremely interesting because you do have an element of that fan base that expresses strong far-right sentiments. That's, that's a reality. You also have an element of the fan base, and I've mentioned them before in the podcast, they're called Krenzenlos Eisen, which is a kind of like borderless, boundless Eisen, which is the kind of progressive Union Berlin fan base. And they're doing, they're one of the sort of fan bases or elements of the Union fan base, trying to do this work, this ongoing work mm-hmm. to address discrimination within German society. And people often say about Germany, oh my gosh, like it's dealt so well with its Nazi history and past. Actually, I think there's a different thing to be said. I think that Fascism and ideology like that, it's almost like a, it's like a virus, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to keep fighting with kind of like, you know, white blood cells. You've got mm-hmm. to keep fighting it with active opposition. And what you saw, the events you described, Ryan, you described actually that battle for an identity, that mm-hmm. battle for, you know, anti-Semitism. The fact that a man felt empowered to, to put up a Nazi salute in the Olympic stadiums, feel what, you know, consider what surrounding context that man felt enabled to do it because there's enough of that that he felt galvanized and enabled to do that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there are Union fans that we can all speak to, including friends of mine, mm. who speak against that. And I think people need to, whenever you see incidents of anti-Semitism in Germany, remember, don't just look at it and be like, oh my goodness, anti-Semitism, how, how did that happen? No, there is still an element within German society that subscribes those views and it's active work. So don't look at Germany and be like, oh, the job is done. No, no. it's ongoing work. No, I think, that's really that important. I think that's really important to point out as well. But I had to, I, I had to say I it's ongoing yeah. work. Yeah. And I think that the, the context of when this happened is it's at a time which anti-Semitism has hit an upward curve in Germany. Yes, yes, yes. There was an article on DW about it not too long ago. Up until January of this year, from the year before, the authorities had logged 2,275 crimes with an anti-Semitic background. Yeah. 55 of those were, were violent. It's not exclusive, but a lot of it has been tied in with corona conspiracy theories. 
and groups that have emerged through that movement outside of Germany and outside of football fandom. A, fr- a good friend of ours woke up the other day with a swastika that was in view of her window in, in London. Yeah, horrific. Yeah. She's Jewish. Yeah. We've talked about this numerous times on this podcast and we talked about it last week and I think we talked about it the week before. So apologies if we're rehashing old stuff, but I think it's really, really important that like no one should be subject to this abuse ever, ever. And we need to make sure that people feel safe going to football stadiums and we need to make sure that people feel safe in society. The judgment, just to, to clarify, just to read out from UEFA, was to order a partial stadium closure of the Union Stadium in sectors 13 and 14 where the home supporters are seated during the next UEFA club competition match in which Union are playing final, and that's for the racist behaviour of its supporters. And the second thing is that the UEFA have ordered Union to display a banner with the wording hashtag no to racism with the UEFA logo on it in the relevant closed sectors. Sounds fair enough to me. Actually, do you know what? For all the times that we've criticised UEFA, I actually, I'm glad that they've, they've put this on their radar. I'm glad they've actually moved on it. This is one step. This is one thing. But I think opposition to anti-Semitism and all forms of discrimination, we saw the anti-Roma stuff that went towards yeah. uh, Dusan Blaivic um, uh, a couple of months ago. Um, actually, shout out to him. Great hat trick against Betsy at the weekend on a happier note. You have to stamp this out wherever you can. And even if the steps that you take aren't always the ideal ones, mm-hmm. that there needs to be some form of resistance to this. So yeah, I'm glad that some action has been taken both within the Union fan base and by UEFA. And, and yeah, I think like, like, like you said yeah. before, I think it's a really important reminder of just because we're in Germany, it doesn't mean that like that anti-Semitism doesn't exist here. It exists everywhere. And it's something that, Not at all. that everyone Not needs at all, to yeah. kind of work hard to stamp out to still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's wrap up some other stuff on the Bundesliga because let's talk about some positives of the weekend. Yes. There was another man of the match performance for Jude Bellingham on Saturday. As Dortmund kept a league clean sheet for the first time this season. Amazing. Can I say I love, shout out to Gregor Kobel. Kobel and the Dortmund goal. <gasps> I really like this signing. That save he made in the first half from, who was it? Who hit that, who pinged it from, from dis- way out. From distance, from distance. And he clawed it away really nicely. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was an amazing save. And he made a couple of really good Brilliant saves save, in the yeah. second half as well. I really like him as a signing. Oh, he's been, I, he's I been really immense for Dortmund, which is weird yeah. because they haven't kept a clean sheet, like I said, this was their first clean sheet in the league. But, He's been really, really impressive for Dortmund. And it's definite it's yeah. a definite upgrade on Marvin Hitz and um Roman Burki. Stefan Tiggers came on in the second half and five minutes no, sorry, six minutes later got his first goal for Dortmund senior senior side. Lovely, lovely header as well. Yeah. Really lovely header, assisted by Julian Brandt on a corner. Um Jude Bellingham assisted Torgan Hazard's header. You know what I love about that header? There's you know, can I say I've got there's a specific there's a specific genre of header that I love. It's when the person makes the run so steep that by the time they head the ball, it's the same as being a one-on-one because they've beat the defensive line. And I love those headers, the angled, because they look, when you watch them back, they're like, oh, why don't they just bring it down and like tap it in? But you can't because it's so high. But I just love, I love the angle of the run. I love the angle of the cross. Everything about this was, was beautiful. Actually, there was another one like this. There was um, Oxley Chamberlain to uh, Sadio Mane against Brighton, a similar kind of, a similar cross where we just took out the entire back line in one go. So yeah, some nice, nice crossing action this week in, uh, in Europe. Uh, there was uh, some other quick results in, the, in, in uh, the Bundesliga. A super, super, super late equaliser from Eintracht. Yes. Fourth minute of stoppage time and the Eintracht and RB Leipzig shared the points. And um, Florian Kohfeldt got his first win in his first match as Wolfsburg manager. 
Yeah, yeah, good win for them. Beat Leverkusen 2-0 in Leverkusen. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Leverkusen, mate. They are still fourth, but Freiburg beating uh, Greuterfurt meant they've opened up a five-point gap on Leverkusen. They're still the only undefeated side in the Bundesliga. Amazing. And whatever happens, they will go into the November international break in the Champions League spot. (laughs) This is actually incredible. But... Dortmund have got Leipzig away. Freiburg have got Bayern away. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So Ooh. that is a big, big weekend next week in the Bundesliga. With, with Bayern, you've got to go at them. You've got to go at them. You will not get anything by playing them respectfully. That's the thing. If we've learned any lesson mm-hmm. from playing this Bayern Munich, you cannot respect them. You've got to go at them. Absolutely. Uh, I know we said we would... Um, is there anything else you want to talk about in the Bundesliga? No, it's good. good. It's good. It's bubbling, bubbling nicely, yeah. I know we said we'd swerve league earlier this week, but I just want to give a quick shout out to Wabi Kazri, who scored the longest range effort in League One history for Sanetian on Saturday. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh my goodness. Extremely good goal. It was miles out as well. Ripped it. Absolutely. Um, have we done everything? That is pretty much everything. Oh, I want to say one other thing. We're not, coming, we're not really covering Premier League this week, but one thing I want to mention that I'm, I found very, very funny was when Chelsea beat Newcastle 3-0. A lot of that's inherently funny. But the penalty by Jorginho is funny. It's like, ah. He's gone high, yeah. yeah. You're going high now. I'm laughing. It's like, ah, interesting. Yeah, man. As soon as he got that save, you called it. He started going high. (laughs) He's going high. I burst. I was like, ah, they're on to you. (laughs) Let's get out of here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, We hope everyone's staying safe and well. Obviously getting vaccinated if you can. Don't forget to check Wright's House on Wednesday. Flo and I will be on there. Checktheringer.com forward slash soccer. Don't forget to check stadio.football. Scroll down to the bottom. Sign uh, sign up for our newsletter. That'll be going out Wednesday, the very first one. Stadio back on Thursday. Champions League special. And Stadio Outros plays on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros. Speaking of which, we're playing out on Moral. And we're in November. So we're playing out on Trees in November. And that's everything for me. Nothing further. Stop <laughs> it. No, nothing you want to plug? No books out this week? I've got no, listen, do you know what? All I want to plug is one thing. Don't, oh God. No. <laughs> sorry, everyone. I'm really sorry. Ha- I'm really sorry. I want, I want to plug the happiness agenda. Oh, all right. That's what I want to plug. Yeah. The happiness agenda. That's it, just, just happiness. That's it. Just want to plug a bit of happiness. That's Paraphrasing it. a tweet I wrote the other day, but may your weeks, but may all your weeks be as lucky as Johnny Evans was on Saturday. Uh, much love everyone have a good week and we'll be back on Thursday see ya see ya